Praise God. All right, today um, we're going to be looking at resting in God's love. Resting in God's love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, the open question says, can anyone talk about their special relaxation spots at home or office and how does it make, how does it make you feel? Everybody has one special spot. And some people even have some special chairs that they look for when they come to church. I don't know, that chair is always comfortable. So who wants to go? Your special spot at home or in the office, somewhere you just go and... Okay, am I seeing a hand or am I pointing out a hand? Uh, oh yeah, now. Okay, there's a hand at the back. No, it's not a hand. It can't be a leg. All right, praise God. So I'll start, I'll talk about my own special spot. I'm sure my children, they know that spot. It's just one of our couches in the parlor. I always look forward to going back home because, I mean, it's like the couch just welcomes me, you know, and the day is over and, you know, I just want to relax. So, okay, praise God, I made it through today. I just close up in that chair and I don't want to leave that chair. I stay in that chair till, you know, so it's like the chair is just hugging me and just telling me, well done. I'm sure you people have those kind of spots. You do. Somebody's nodding at the back. Okay, I can see you. The beautiful sister in blue. Oh yeah, tell us, tell us, tell us. Yes, yes, you that, yes, yes. You connected with me, so you must have something to say. Good evening, church. Uh -huh. um, the question is, can anyone talk about Isa? Likewise me, I have a special spot at home that I sit and I relax. I can stay there till 11 p.m. before I go to bed, so hmm. that's it. So why do, why do you stay there? What's, what's special about that spot? It makes me feel good. Like, hmm. it, there's nothing extra it does, <laughs> but I just feel that I feel good when I sit there. Hmm. That's so the chair comforts you and gives you a hug? and just tells you, well done. Eh? Praise God. Praise God. So um, the topic says resting, resting in God's love. Resting in God's love. God's love carries even much more comfort than those are our cozy corners or cozy chairs. And God's love is, is you know, it's, is not what can be compared with at all. His love is secure. In his love, there's, there's, there's safety. In his love, there's peace. Resting in God's love. And we know that um, for any child, we have some children here. Even if, you know, you reach out to them, if they don't know you, if they, if they, if they don't trust your love for them, so to speak, they hold back. 
Abi, haven't we experienced it? We'll be so happy to go and carry the child. The child is saying, I don't know you. Who are you? Are you sure you have my interest? You know? And I think that's how sometimes some of us um, respond to God because we don't even know that He loves us. We don't know, you know, how much He has done for us to show His love to us. Praise God. Praise God. Am I saying something? Are we together? I know the AC is so cold, so let's not doze off. Mm, I can't see some people's eyes again. All right, praise God. So sometimes we respond like that to God, and I think maybe because we, it's either we, we are Christians, but every time they say God loves, God loves, God loves, because of maybe the challenges and all that that we're going through, we tend to forget that God actually loves us. He's more present than that our couch, or that's our cozy corner, or that's, you know, that's a cold drink that we must drink to calm down. He's more present. And he wants us to know, just like that baby, that look, I have your interest in heart. I love you. I want to reach out to you. I want to show you my love. I want you to rest in my love. When you are resting somewhere, that means you are dwelling. You know, you, you don't have any concerns. You are relaxed. God wants us to rest in his love. He wants us to trust and trust his promises that he has made for us. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so we'll read our text. It says um, John 15, 9 to 10, the message version. So I'll be reading. It says, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Did you see that? It says, make yourself at home in my love. Let God's love be your home. If you keep my commands, you will remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. So in obedience, God expects us to be obedient, to be able to rest in his love. So, and he has given us his word. We cannot be resting in disobedience. In obedience, we can rest. We can find that peace. Praise God. So I have a question there. It says, what is rest? Who can tell us what rest is? What is rest to you? Apart from your cozy chair, what is rest? Uh -uh. Who doesn't rest? Oh, yeah, who doesn't rest now? Everybody rests, so that means you know what rest is. Your own definition. What is rest? Okay, huh? thank you. There's a, there's a child. Okay, and an adult, uh, Pastor DK. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, to me, rest is that moment of peace where nothing bothers you. Or where moment you're of not what? Peace. Peace. Where you're not bothered about anything. Hmm. Where what? I didn't hear the last part. You're not bothered about You're anything. not bothered about anything. All right. That's surely rest. Okay, the, the, the child wants to speak. Uh, rest, gardening, and giving. Uh, rest is when you are comforted and you just feel like doing nothing and you just feel relaxed. Uh, you don't feel like doing anything and you're comforted. Okay. Pastor Kule? Yeah, uh, for me, rest is, uh, I, I would say rest is a 
time of reset. Time of reset where okay. you, you 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 are you pause on whatever it is you are doing and trying to regenerate or reset yourself for newer things. Okay. Praise God. Any other definition, Mama? In front, Mrs. Samado. For me, rest is when you say, ah, today I won't do anything and I will just rest, I will relax, or at times I might say I sleep, but I won't do anything. I think okay. I felt that's rest. Your rest, okay. All right, okay, so let's clap for ourselves now. Let's clap for ourselves. Let's try. When we clap, we'll get warm. Hmm? Praise God. Okay, so my own definition here is rest is a state of calmness and relaxation without emotional stress and freedom from anxiety. Rest is a state of calmness and relaxation without emotional stress and freedom from anxiety. So we're going to move on to read Matthew 11, 28 to 29 and uh, 28 to 30 in the message version. So did we get the definition? I'm sure we did. If you didn't get it, you can make up your own. Rest is a state of calmness and relaxation without emotional stress and freedom from anxiety. So I'll read Matthew 11 in the message version. It says, are you tired? worn out, burnt out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Somebody say real rest. Mm -mm. Real rest. Walk with me and walk with me and walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Praise God. Praise God. So this is what God is offering. He's offering us rest. He's offering us a life that is free of heavy loads and heavy burdens. You know, we've had this illustration many times where there was an old lady that was carrying, you know, some luggage on her head and they stopped to pick her and she was still in the car with the load on her head so she should have just continued you know carrying that load without entering the car because there was no need for her to enter that car we are you know we are in christ we have jesus as our lord and our savior he has asked us to drop the loads, but we are still carrying so many loads. That's why he's asking, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out? He's calling us into real rest, a real experience with him. Praise God. But like we talked about that baby, you have to know that you can trust God. And he has made it so clear in his word. So we're going to be going through 
some of those um, expressions of God's love to us, what he came and what he did, and why we shouldn't forget that he's, he's not just, you know, he didn't just do it for himself, he did it for us. He did everything for us, for us to be able to trust him. Some of us don't trust God with our problems. We believe that we can think out that problem by ourselves and, you know, solve it. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to lay those burdens down. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, um, this is not in your notes, but I have here, um, what is stress? Oh yeah, what is stress? We know what rest is. Or we'll say it's the opposite of rest. <laughs> Does anybody have any definition for stress? Osha, are you raising your hand? Who will give you the mic? Okay, is someone there? Definition for stress, is anybody? Ah, who has not been stressed before? We have all been stressed. Oh, yeah, now, just say your own. There's no, there's no particular definition. It's your own personal definition of stress. So. My own definition of stress now. Okay, yeah, thank you. Good evening. Good evening. For me, I'll say stress is when you overwork yourself. Okay. That is it. Okay. Thank you. Any other person? So everybody agrees that when you overwork yourself, it's stress. Eh? Okay. Juliet, you want to say something? I saw your hand. It can be stress when you overthink too. When you overthink, you can be stressed. Okay, so everything about stress is over. Mm? So any, anything that you put over inside is stress. Who wants to try it? Okay, over there. There's a brother over there. Good evening. I would say is, uh, stress is a state of discomfort. Is what? A state of discomfort. A state of discomfort. Okay, okay, all right. So, any other person? There's somebody there, okay. Um, I'll say stress I is I can't see you. Is somebody there? Okay. Why? Stress is um, when you're tired of something, when you're fatigued. When you're tired or? Fatigued. Okay. So look at the definition that I have here. Hmm. There's no agreed definition for stress. <laughs> Because what may stress me may be pleasurable to you. If they tell me now to come and play the, the bass guitar, that would be stress. But if they call David now to come and play the bass guitar, that would be his delight. So you can see that stress is on different categories. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. So God is going to help us and he's going to make us understand that he has come to relieve us. He has come to, you know, introduce us into his rest and we should stay there. Some of us, when we, when, when we are about to let go, you know, I mean, have you tried to stop yourself from sleeping? Have you tried? You say, I won't sleep. When you sleep, you won't even know. Say, ah, did I sleep? You know? There are some things that we just have to let go and let God have his way. 
Let's trust him. Let's trust him more than our couch. When we're in our couch, we don't, we don't think whether that couch is going to break that day. We don't think about it. We just fall inside that couch and believe that the couch will carry us. So let's learn to fall in God. Let's learn to relax and just put all our burdens on him. And he will give us peace. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So we'll move on to expressions of God's love towards. Um, while I was praying as we, as we just started, I said, ah, I just put some expressions here. I did not, it doesn't, it's not ended though. God's expression doesn't end with the things I wrote here. You know, sometimes when we flog our children, I'm sure we know it's an expression of love. Eh? Yes, yes. So when we are chastised by God, it's an expression of love. It's not here. I'm just saying it so that we will not think that this is all about God. Praise God. All right. So the first one is atoning love. Atoning love. So we're going to be reading John 3, 16 to 17. It says... For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, the one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Praise God. God's atoning love. Love gives. And God has done that to show and to prove his love to us, that he has come to save us and to redeem us by sending his son. So he has shown us atoning love. Romans 5, 1 to 5, I read that. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into, his, into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into trouble, run into problems and trials. For we know that they, that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strength of our uh, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will not lead to disappointment in Jesus' name. Amen. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Praise God. We learned so much about the Holy Spirit on Sunday. God has given us his Holy Spirit. He has shed his love abroad in our hearts by sending Jesus to die. His atoning love is available for us. So let's never forget that, that his love is present in our time of need. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, I said this sacrifice not only brings us peace, but it brings, but, but bring, this sacrifice not only brings us peace with God, but brings us into a personal loving relationship with him. Okay? God's atoning love is the source of all spiritual blessing. It's because Jesus came and died. That is why we can, you know, we can walk in liberty. We have freedom to worship him. We experience his, his peace, we experience his healing, we experience his prosperity because Jesus came and died. He took all this on the cross for us. Then the second one is calling love. We have been called. There's a song that says, don't call me what my God has not called me. I refuse to answer any name that has not been called by the Lord. Some of us are answering a wrong name. 
God has called us his own. So we're going to read 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are not, okay, but you are not like that, for you are chosen, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Praise God. Are we together? I hope I'm not too fast. No. Okay. So God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We that were no people, he has called us a people. He has shown us mercy. He has shown us grace. We're chosen people. You have to know who you are. You have to know what the Lord has done for you to be able to open up and receive his love. Praise God. Okay. Um, okay. My notes here says another way God shows his love for us is by calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yes, yes. And this is our year of light. Everybody say, this is my year of light. If you're not sure, say it again. Oh, this is my year of light. Yes, no more darkness. No more darkness. The Lord has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, I'm also going to read um, John 10, 28. Part of my note says, God promises to protect the relationship and to never forsake us, so to never leave us. I'll read John 25 to 30. Is it there? John 10, 25 to 30. Okay, MSG. Jesus answered, I told you, but you don't believe. Everything I have done has been authorized by my Father's actions that speak louder than words. You don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. In Jesus' name. Amen. They are protected from the destroyer for good. No one can steal them out of my hand. The father who puts them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and the thief. No one could ever get them away from him. I and the father are one heart and mine. So God also promises protection over his people. The destroyer, we know all the rampaging news. I mean, news is coming out per second, per second, per second. That is, news is in seconds now. Things are changing. But God has promised us protection. He has promised us peace. He has, he's greater than the destroyer. He's greater than the thief. And we are engraved in his palm, and no evil shall befall us in Jesus' name. Amen. So those are the promises of God. This, the next one is redeeming love. Romans 8, 3 to 4. Redeeming love. And I read. Okay. Are we there? Okay. God went for the juggler when he sent his son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disorder ordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now that the law code asks for 
asked for birds. Sorry. And now that and now what the law code okay asked for, but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we instead of redoubling our own efforts simply embrace what the spirit is doing in us praise god this message translation is just our english there's no doubt there's no comments there's no goet praise god so the redeeming love you know the devil thought that ah that he has finished the work already he didn't know that there was a master plan i mean there's always a joker with god you know and he came out on the other side, showed us redeeming love. He saved us. In my notes here, it says, because of our sinful nature, because of our sinful nature, we have no power to fulfill God's love. But God's love is shown through Christ, who redeemed us. He paid the price for our sins, for all our rebellion. Um, like what we learned, says that the Holy Spirit has the power, not our willpower. It's the Holy Spirit power that we have. That is stronger than our willpower to live and overcome in life. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the next one is justifying love. Justifying love. Romans 3, 23 to 25. I hope we are together. Plenty of scriptures today. Okay. I'll read now. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in, the, in times past. Praise God. So my note here says that God's love is shown by justifying us or declaring us innocent by grace through faith in Christ. You know, God does not see us again. He sees, he sees Christ. Our righteousness is in Christ. It's not through anything that we do because there's nothing we can do that we, we, I mean, God sees through everything. Sometimes your good morning, they go outside, it's good night, you know. We, we know ourselves, we know all our shortcomings, but Jesus has taken that. He has become our righteousness. That is why we can be bold to say that we have our righteousness in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. God's justifying love allows us to stand accepted before him. So it's because of his love, because we have been justified, we have been declared innocent. That is why we can stand. We can come boldly before his throne and, you know, and seek mercy, seek grace before his presence. Praise God. All right. The next one is adopting love. Romans 8 verse 15. Adopting love. Okay. And it says, so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God shows us his love, not just by forgiving us, but by bringing us into his family. Praise God. Praise God. So, yes, the God of Israel has adopted us. So we are now also spiritual Jews. Praise God. So 
we should, while we're going through all these the different um, expressions of love that God has shown to us so that we can receive his love, so that we can rest in his love, so we can know that he actually loves us. There's a plan. We are, we are not here by mistake. He has a purpose and a plan for us. Praise God. says here, my note says, he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints. Okay, there's another scripture, Colossians 1 verse 12. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. My note says, this inheritance includes salvation. It includes strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It includes hope. It includes peace, peace that passes all understanding. It includes comfort, the Holy Spirit, our comforter, providence. It includes fellowship. It includes favor and so much more. Praise God. So we are adopted into God's family. We are partakers of the inheritance. Praise God. The last one I have here is sanctifying love. It's not the last one, no, second to the last one. Sanctifying love. Hebrews 10:10. 10, 10. It says, For God, God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, once for all time. Okay? God also shows us his love by sacri sacrificing love by sacrificing, sanctifying us, or setting us apart for his purpose. Sanctified, okay, praise God. Are we together? Mm -hmm. So I'll take that again. So God also shows us his love by sanctifying us, which means setting us apart for his purpose. We have been called for a purpose, sanctifying love. Praise God. God sanctifies us sets us apart for his special plans. He has a special plan for everyone. And he has called us and set us apart. That's what he does. That's what his power does. He has sanctified us, made us holy. We can't be holy by ourselves. We cannot sanctify ourselves. He has sanctified us. And he has sanctified us for a purpose, for his will. Praise God. Praise God. Are we together? I hope I'm not too fast. I feel I'm fast. Are we together? We, do we have any questions? When it's time for questions, you ask, eh? All right. Praise God. All right. So the last one here says glorifying love. First John 3, 1 to 2. Say, see how much, see how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. God calls us his children. We are his own. And that is what we are. We are God's children. But... But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Their friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Praise God. Praise God. This is our assurance. You know, some people, their assurance is, 
how some people, their assurance is car, but this is our assurance. This is our assurance. There is a hope. We are not, uh, you know, going to be here miserable. There is a hope. That's what we are living for. It says, and all who have this eager expectation, that means we must have an eager expectation, a glorifying hope, a glorifying love, God has shown us. Praise God. Philippians 1, 6 says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus, Christ Jesus returns. Praise God. God's glorifying love is the ultimate destination for every believer. So I, I'm just assuming that there are believers here that I'm talking to. But if you're not a believer, all that we have been saying is story, story for you. It's just stories. You won't even understand what we are excited about, what we are happy about, what, you know. But you have an opportunity to connect, you know, with this amazing opportunity to experience his glorifying love, all the loves we've talked about, redeeming love, sanctifying love, all of them. You have that opportunity. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so we'll move on to how to rest in God's love. Um, number one, realize that God cares deeply for you. Realize that God cares deeply for you. We have John um, 11, 35, 33 to 35, okay? It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Okay. So, there, there may just be so many explanations why Jesus wept. What's the only one I want to talk about is that when somebody weeps, you know, yeah, you can weep for joy, but this was not a joyous situation. So Jesus felt something. Jesus was moved by the, you know, by what was going on. And Jesus wept. But the difference between Jesus weeping is not the mobile, unwallamo kind of cry. Jesus did something about the situation. Jesus turned it around. Praise God. So we have to realize that, that Jesus knows how we feel. Sometimes if we can remember some, you know, very um, heartfelt prayers that we made, you know, you, you will even know that Jesus heard this one because you were so sincere with that prayer. Not the one that does not pass the roof. The one that you know that ah, Jesus is even feeling how I'm feeling. He actually does. You know, so that should give you that confidence to rest in him. He knows how you are feeling. He knows exactly where you are in this point in time in your life. So don't think he doesn't know. He knows. So he has the humanity side. He, he shared that humanity side. He shared the divinity side. So if he was just God alone, he wouldn't have been able to cry. 
but he connects with us so we can trust him because he understands what we go through. Praise God. All right, the second one says, realize God makes all things work together for your good. God makes all things work together for your good. So I'm um, going to read Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, in spite of what your condition may be, God's purpose for your life is much higher than the heart-wrenching challenge you are going through. So God's purpose for your life will come to pass. Whether you have money, you don't have money. Whether you have a car, you don't have a car. Whether you have a bike, you don't have a bike. God's purpose is higher than all those things. You know, I mean, there was a story I read. Um, I hope we can have the time to do that. There's a video that I wanted to show, but let me go through what I have then. We'll show the video. Hopefully there'll be time, you know. This lady, you know, she, no, her hands, no legs. Okay, I believe that, you know, all of us, we have our hands. If we don't have, maybe at least you have one hand, you know. Then we have our legs. If you don't have, at least you have one leg. Or if you don't have the two legs, you have two hands. If you don't have two hands, at least you have one hand. You know, this lady didn't, her hands, uh, they call her, called her a quadriplegic, something like that. A person affected with paralysis of both hands and both legs. But that did not end her life. That did not, you know, stop her. Some of us have not even gotten to that stage and we are already giving up. There's no room to give up. Praise God. We'll watch the video later. Let, let's just run through. It says, God will transform all our trials into a ministry to help others. When, you, I mean, there are people that can come to you for counsel because of what you have gone through. You have all the confidence to encourage them because you have gone through it. You know, so don't think, you know, God puts you through all that for nothing. It's to make you stronger and also to reach out to others. So everything is not just about you. God is using you for a greater purpose. A greater purpose. Your being saved is saving millions of other people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so maybe we should just take it down. Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. We can read it. Okay. Then God uses trials to transform us into powerful and joyful children of God. God does not want a... Yeah, we can come to him weak, sorrowful, and all that. But we cannot stay there weak. Being with God, he transforms us and he changes us. He makes us more and more like him. He gives us strength. He transforms us into powerful people, into people full of joy. We can take down James 1, 2 to 4. Okay? The, the last one I have here is surrendering your will. Surrendering your will. We've learned so much about surrendering our will. 
So, resting in God means letting go of your ego. Even a small child itself has ego. It's not an easy thing. But that's why it's a surrender. It's something that we do over and over. There was something I was reading that really, really touched me because I found out that it's like this, this has been my story. I'll just read, I'll just read it. It says, so resting in the Lord also means giving up your ego and not having your way. We like to have our way. You know you have achieved this when you trust him to walk all things without your help. You trust God when you realize that you don't have to depend, defend yourself over and over from slander and gossip and injustice. That one touched me because why shouldn't I defend myself? You know, you just sit down and somebody is raining, raining lies and God is expecting us to allow him to do his work. But sometimes we feel God is too slow. Let me just finish this person. I can take this person down, only me. I can handle him. I've, I've been falling into that trap, handling things that God wants to handle. And, you know, and when you keep doing that, you keep failing the test, and he will bring it again. Then if, if, if you're not smart enough, you fail again, maybe like three times. There may be a scripture like this, uh, you know, this kind of exposition comes to you. Say, hey, this is me. So I should stay and be watching them lie. I should just take it like that and wait for you to walk. You know, when God takes up your case, you, you even start pleading for the person. When God decides to fight your battle for you, you will even start begging God. Say, God, in no reach like that. God will say, you are out of it. So, but can we trust God to that point? You know, we know the things that make us want to stand and defend ourselves. That is the ego there. It doesn't happen overnight, you know. It takes a level of maturity to be able to, to stay and be watching somebody say nonsense. And you just say it is where. It's, it's, you know. And we shouldn't think it can be done overnight because... It's um, learning the art, you know, of surrendering. It's like the way we walk, walk out in the gym. Hey, I just remembered simplicity. Hey, you know. I mean, I went to the gym that morning, lifting, uh, what they call that, like 60 kg. We must take them down. We must take them down. Overnight muscle. It's just the mercy of God that came through. So, this, I mean, being able to enter that level of maturity, it's like a muzzle. We, we shouldn't beat ourselves too much when we fail. We should stand up again. The muzzle would have gotten stronger, you know. We'll be able to, okay, we defended ourselves maybe for one minute, uh, maybe five minutes the, the last time, the next time only one minute, the next time we'll be able to keep quiet and just thank God and just even be praying for the person. Say, Father, have mercy on this soul. Praise God. 
So, and God is able to help us. He's able to help us. We just need to surrender. God wants us, you know, to genuinely surrender to him. We know those things that will make our ego to come out. As we keep practicing, you know, oh, we failed the last time. The next time, he will still bring that test again. We should be smart enough to realize that it's a test. If not, when we fail again, he will still bring it again. Because God, God is not interested in weaklings. He makes weak people strong. You know. So he's more interested in building your character. He will keep bringing that in until you can understand that, look, keep quiet. So you will take it and start to worship God. They say, I bet I just finished abusing you. What is the worship about? You will know that, you, you, you know, God has lifted you out of that place. He has lifted you. You have raised the bar. So this will enable us. God wants to teach us to surrender to him, to rest in his love, to trust him that he has our back. Praise God. Praise God. I'll just read the um, uh, uh, last quotes that I have here. This by Rick Warren says, Father, if this problem whatever the problem is, whatever the pain, sickness, or circumstance is needed to fulfill your purpose in my life or another's life. Please don't take it away. You know, sometimes, you know, that, I mean, that, that has been the challenge I've been, uh, you know, facing that. Say, God, why am I in this? Why am I in this circle? Can't you just take this thing away? God does not want to take it away. He wants me to learn. Because it's all in his plan. It's all part of the plan. So let's stop praying away those things that are part of God's plan for our life. He wants us to learn and move to the next level. Praise God. Praise God. So finally, um, Jesus is our ultimate example. Jesus had to rest in God's love. If Jesus did not trust God enough to raise him from the dead, ah, he even prayed to God and told God, say, please, who? Eh? He knows that, I mean, God can stop it. But he surrendered to God's will. That's what we should learn. We should learn to surrender. We should learn to give in to God's will. Jesus surrendered to God's will. And Jesus has proven to us that God is dependable. He is reliable. He did not forget Jesus in the grave. He will not forget us in our situations. He will not forget us in whatever circumstance that we are going through. God is lifting us up. He rose Jesus from the grave out of darkness, out of hell. God is raising us up out of every dark situation in Jesus' mighty name. And our light has come. Tell your neighbor, my light has come. Praise God. Make it louder. My light has come. Amen. Let's just put our hands together for Jesus. Amen. Our light has come. So at this point, if we have any questions. I don't know this.
All right, praise God. Um, so, CMN, please, the video I wanted to show. I grew up in a very athletic family, tennis, horseback riding. My earliest memories of um, hearing about the God of the Bible, though, was around the campfire on the beach of the Delaware shore with my sisters, my mom and dad, hearing stories of Noah, David, Moses, Daniel. But God really, really, he, he really wasn't very personal. All that changed, though, when I was a 14-year-old kid, went away on a kind of a church weekend retreat. And I was challenged by the speaker. He said, kids, I want you to measure your lives up against the Ten Commandments. Well, I had never committed adultery, or I don't think I, I stole anything in a big way. But you know what? It, it didn't matter. As I measured my life up against those commandments one by one by one, <gasps> Oh, I, I got this overwhelming sense that I'm missing the mark. I'm not going to make it. Oh, God, help me. It troubled me at first that God gave us a bunch of commandments that he knew very well we couldn't keep. But then it hit me at that weekend retreat. It hit me. That's why Jesus came. He was the one who kept the commandments. He was the one who obeyed the law, even though I didn't and even though I couldn't. I was only 14, but... Um, I was able to reach out right then and embrace Jesus and say, I, I need you. I, 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 I want to make it out of earth alive, and you're my only passport, so please. Well, I came home from that weekend retreat all fired up, all pumped, all excited. But then um, through high school, um, the enthusiasm of what I had done began to wane, especially when I started confusing the abundant Christian life with the great American dream. My prayers were so self-centered, like, uh, God, help me to lose weight. God, I need a new boyfriend. God, give me good grades on this test. Unfortunately, I guess I thought I had done God a great big favor by accepting Jesus as my Savior. And I remember right around my senior year of high school, I prayed, Lord, I I'm, not, I'm not doing this Christian thing right, and I know it. I don't want to go off to college and defame your good name, smear your reputation. I know it's about far more than just me, so do something in my life to jerk it right side up, because I'm really living this life wrong. Just a few weeks after high school graduation, as I was preparing to head off to college, my sister Kathy invited me to go to the beach for a swim. I swam out to this raft, athlete that I was, I didn't even touch bottom hoisted myself up onto it and then took this really stupid dive into what ended up being extremely shallow water. I snapped my head back when I hit bottom and it crunched my fourth cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. There I was lying face down in the water, desperately hoping that my sister Kathy would please notice that I had not surfaced from my dive. Unbeknownst to me, her back was turned to me. She didn't even see me take that dive. But a crab bit her toe. And it so startled her that she quick turned around in the water and screamed to me, Johnny, watch out for crabs. And when she did, she saw my blonde hair floating on the surface. I was face down, ready to drown. She came swimming quickly, pulled me up out of the water. And I never, I never was so grateful for fresh air. She saved me, but for what purpose, for what reason? Because now, lying there in a hospital, doctors told me I was going to 
have to sit down for the rest of my life as a quadriplegic without use of my legs or, or even my hands. My hands don't work. And I remember thinking, God, is this, is this your idea of an answer to a prayer to be drawn closer to you? If it is, you're never going to be trusted with another one of my prayers again. I mean, I'm a new Christian. How could you have taken me so seriously? I sank into deep depression. I remember there were wonderful Christian friends who came to the hospital and they encouraged me and one Bible verse they shared was from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to help you, plans to prosper you and to give you a hopeful future. God, you, you mean you plan not to harm me? Well, what do you call quadriplegia, huh? What's that all about? As I read that verse and the context around it, I realized something, that when God said that, he was saying it to his children who were being dragged away into captivity by, by the Babylonians. They were going to exile. They were going into slavery. They had decades in front of them of hard, awful suffering. And I began to see that God's plans for a hopeful future for me was not necessarily jumping up, dancing, kicking, doing aerobics, running, walking, getting back use of my arms and my legs. No, God's plans for me go far deeper, a deeper healing, a precious healing of the soul. Praise God. Praise God. So do we have any questions? Okay, if we don't have any questions, let's just bow our hearts. You may be here and you really don't understand what's going on here and you would really like to be part of what God is doing here. God's love is available for you. He wants to welcome you into this great family of love. You don't have to continue that road of doubt, fear, sin, uncertainty. God wants to bring you into his family. If you're here and you want to make that commitment, you can lift up your hands. You don't have to stand up. The ushers are by your side and they will give you a white card and we can pray together. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling on the screen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your children that have come to you, that have made this decision to serve you with all their hearts. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you save them by your mighty hands. You cancel their name from the book of death and transfer it into the book of life that these ones will serve you and they will know you. They will embrace your love. They will walk by your love. Lord, they will rest in your love. They will experience your embrace and they will testify of your goodness. Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you take all the glory. Father, for we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. 
God bless you.